And welcome back to Garage Logic. Tom Hauser from Five Eyewitness News, the deputy mayor sitting in for Joe Souchere. And joining me now is the hockey professor, Mike McGraw, who I will spend entirely too much time with over the next couple of weeks, or I should say vice versa. You'll be spending entirely too much time with me covering uh, the girls' state high school hockey tournament uh, later on tonight, and then also the boys' tournament uh, coming up here in about 10 days. Michael, how are you today? I'm doing well, Mr. Hauser, and it sounds like you are doing well also. Yes, uh, busy day today. I had to record my Ad Issue show. I'm doing a little radio, and then uh, you and I will be doing uh, high school hockey tonight, and I'm very excited about that. Tournament time is always really our favorite time of year. Oh, it's a great day. And the best part of this year is Olympic year. We start with the girls, and the girls' Olympic team won gold. For the first time in 20, so how much better could hockey get in Minnesota right now? And especially because with that focus on women's hockey, there is now a lot of excitement and focus on girls' hockey here in Minnesota. And a lot of these girls that we're going to cover in the tournament uh, today and tomorrow, uh, many of them, let's face it, are going to be on an Olympic team uh, in four years. Yeah, there, there will be. Taylor Heisey, the young lady from Red Wing, I'm sorry that she got beat in the first round. They won't get to see her this year. But, you know, she's probably the, one of the prime candidates of this graduating class now coming out of girls uh, in uh, this year who will have an excellent chance of being an Olympian four years from now. And, in fact, Rookie's daughter uh, is going to be playing against her tomorrow in consolation play, right? Correct, at, uh, at Ritter at 10 o'clock, and uh, she is one heck of a player. Yes, she is. And uh, any advice for Rookie's daughter on how do you contain her? Well, With, you know, short of tripping her, mugging her. Well, Sophia's got more uh, penalty minutes than uh, than goals, so she knows that uh, she watches the game a lot from the box. I don't need to tell. If she has that, I don't have to tell her anything. <laughs> she knows. She knows exactly right. she what knows to do. Exactly. Well, now we've had one game today so far in Class A. Uh, Michael and Breck uh, beat Proctor Hermantown by a score of six to nothing. Did you get a chance to watch much of that game? Yes, I watched a little bit of it, and I saw that uh, Breck has a very potent power play. And they have two young ladies that move the puck exceptionally well on that team. So whoever they play tomorrow had best be very good defensively. Well, and, you know, for a semifinal game, it was uh, much more one-sided than we're used to seeing. In fact, the shots on goal were 44-9 to in favor of Breck. And again, they won by a score of 6 to nothing. So the goaltending, I'm assuming for Proctor Hermantown, was pretty good. Despite giving up six goals, that was a barrage of shots. <laughs> she was good. Yeah, you know, one thing that happened to Proctor, they got off, off to a slow start. And once Breck sensed that, they just took control of the puck and they just... Not that they were attacking them not so much, but they just were able to keep it in Proctor's zone all the time, and then they'd spring somebody loose and bang it right in the slot for an easy, easy goal. There were a number of easy goals in there, but the power play penalty kill, I thought, was the huge difference in the game more than the shots. And then the game uh, in progress right now, War Road and Alexandria. Alexandria, they just went to commercial here on 45 TV, but it was one to nothing in favor of Alexandria. Uh, they, that game is early on. Uh, who do you like in that game? Well, uh, I probably would have said Warroad as would everybody else, but right now I'm watching, and it's been more than even. I think that Alexandria uh, is surprising Warroad with two things. Number one, the depth that they have and being able to skate with Warroad. And the second thing is 
how hard those girls from Alexandria compete for pucks. And I think that's surprising Warroad a little bit, where they've come from a section where they, they get the most pucks first and they don't have to battle real hard, while well, today they're having to battle. Now let's look ahead to tonight's Class AA. I don't have my brackets in front of me. I'm hoping that you do. Uh, the the two games that we're going to be covering tonight, obviously everybody's going to be focused on Edina because they won their first state championship last year, and they're hoping to make it a repeat this year. Yes, uh, defending champs. Uh, they won last year going away. One thing that uh, surprised me as I was looking up information, as you will, we all do, Tom, for this, Edina won each game last year scoring four goals, and they beat Brainerd four to nothing. So the secret to beating Edina in the state tournament is don't let them get four. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty simple formula. <laughs> simple, I thought. Yeah. Uh, so is Edina, do you think, the favorite? or who, who's And if they are, who is the team that is likely to have the best chance to knock them off? Well, Eden Prairie beat them once during the year. I think it was in overtime, then Edina beat Eden Prairie by a couple. Eden Prairie has a very good goaltender in Dobchuk, you know, the best in the program's history. So in any tournament, I like goaltending. That's going to help them. And the other one is Centennial BD Dino during the year. Gabby Hughes and Annika Linzer, um, they were able to beat them. So I don't think it's a cakewalk for Edina. The one thing about girls hockey this year, even watching in the A's, no, the War Road, by the way, just tied it up 1-1. The, yes. uh, is, not that the teams like Edina are down. It's like everybody else in the field is beginning to catch them a little bit. Everybody's improved. Yeah. And I think that's the key to success for our girls hockey is people don't realize how good these programs are right now. And so tonight we have a centennial against Egan in the mm-hmm. six o'clock game. And then we have Edina Eden Prairie after that. The Egan, I forget the name of the uh, coach from Egan. Uh, do you recall off the top of your head? I I believe I read somewhere that the last time he coached in the state tournament, Dan Wilson, was the very first right. one back in 1996. Right. That's back right in the after, Winnie Broat days. <laughs> right, right after they graduated from Ringette. Remember yes, that? that's oh right. Oh my I do gosh, the ringette. biggest slap in the face of all time. Here, you can only play ringette. <laughs> yeah. That's, right. that's like, what, what, is the, what is the weird basketball they play down in Iowa? Oh, in Iowa, yeah. Girls basketball, you can't cross the uh, center line. Yeah, what do they call yeah. it again? I can't remember. I'm I sure there's know. some listener out there who knows what it is. But, yeah, but ringette, I had, I, Mike, I have not heard that term forever. <laughs> That that could you imagine nice. in twenty eight in 2018 telling girls, yeah, you can play ringette? Uh, that would not go over well. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. So, well, it's we're excited amazing. about that coverage. And again, <laughs> yeah. the Alexandria War Road game, as you said, is one-to-one with just about two minutes left in the first period. And then uh, tonight we have Centennial Egan at 6 and Edina right. Eden Prairie in the nightcap at 8 o'clock, which should be a great game. We anticipate pretty good crowd uh, for that since we're in between snowstorms in particular. Right. And, 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 go ahead, Mike. I, th- I think tonight is there's going to be some real skill displayed tonight. You know, Centennial, as I mentioned, Gabby Hughes and Windsor and, uh, you know, Taylor Anderson from uh, from Egan. Edina, it's probably their whole uh, lineup, but just their seniors in there, Lolita Fiddler and uh, 
Aaliyah Lance and uh, Emily Oden, uh, along with Brooke Tucker. I mean, those are just a few of the kids from those teams. Eden Prairie, Dobchak, the goaltender, has played extremely well this year in her whole career, I think starting as an eighth grader in uh, in Eden Prairie. So I, 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 I think... I think Edina alone has uh, eight, at least eight players committed to Division One uh, right. schools just, for hockey. And so between the four teams, uh, there are probably a lot of players you're going to be see, seeing play major college hockey. Right. I would say there are about 15. I only mentioned the seniors. I didn't mention the juniors or sophomores that are already committed. Those are just the seniors. So, yeah, you're right. And I think that the people that are going to tune in tonight and watch at home on TV are really going to be surprised at how good some of these girls are skill-wise. And it's so great for, for girls hockey, and especially with all the enthusiasm and excitement from that gold medal game. Uh, just a couple minutes left before I let you go. Let's look ahead to the boys' high school tournament. The really exciting section play is starting. I know one really fun up, upset uh, last night was Chaska beating Eden Prairie. Uh, Eden right. Prairie had been to four straight uh, state tournaments. And the if you can find it on Twitter, uh, there is just a classic call of the game uh, with Chaska. I believe they said it's the first ever section victory <laughs> for Chaska. Chaska, yeah, and, and, I, I wouldn't that I wouldn't doubt because yeah. they've been one and out so many times. Yes, because they're uh, they're generally a lower seed, and so they're having to play somebody like Eden Prairie or Minnetonka. Right. And now, of course, Chaska will go on and play uh, number one Minnetonka, I believe, on on Saturday night. Yes. That's the matchup on Saturday. No, you and I early. Go ahead. This is the big Saturday for boys hockey. Uh, We'll be down to uh, almost every section will be down to their two finalists after this Saturday. I know there are a couple of sections that play off Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday, and next week to get down to their uh, section finalists. But in all essence, this is like Slaughter Saturday because half the state disappears this Saturday for the boys. Absolutely. And then we also. when you and I talked about a month ago when we were kind of looking at which teams look like they have the best chance of winning the Class AA championship, we had pretty much talked about uh, Edina, uh, St. Thomas Academy, Minnetonka, uh, Duluth East. Anything changed since the last time we talked about those maybe being the big four? No, I don't think so, Tom. I, I believe that those four teams have really separated themselves from the rest of the uh, the teams. I mean, there's a there's a tier of teams right underneath them, not that far away, but just from the competition you saw this year in the head-to-head competition especially, uh, those four teams stood out. Their records are the best, and they didn't duck anybody. They played everybody, so it isn't like they padded their schedule just so they would have good numbers at the end. Well, of the absolutely. Year. You know, Minnetonka, who's number one, has had to play Edina three times and beaten them two out of three. They've right. played St. Thomas Academy. They've played Duluth East. Uh, they have not had an easy schedule by any means. And no. uh, they're and they're number one here late in the month of February. So they're right where they want to be. At Class A, is there a, a team or two that you're looking at as the most likely to uh, advance to the championship? Well, I don't think Class A has as dominant a team this year as they have had in the past. St. Cloud Cathedral, Hermantown again, Monomedi, uh, probably at the head of the class right now going into playoffs. But they aren't that far ahead of everybody else. Uh, they, it's a much more even field this year in Class A. 
And it has helped that St. Thomas Academy went up to double A. Yes. <laughs> because they used to, <laughs> it used to always be who was going to, you know, try to dethrone St. Thomas Academy. Right. And so I like when that happens because St. Thomas Academy still very competitive at double A, which is the way oh. it should be. And now it's opened up uh, some possibilities for other schools at class A. It has. I mean, it, it's allowed uh, Monomedi, for one, to be able to uh, flourish a little bit. They were always right behind them and maybe a player or two short of being able to beat them year in and year out. Well, now they're the team with kind of a target on their back in that section this year. All right, uh, we are going to be wrapping it up here, guys. And, and Mike, we want to thank you. I just wanted to mention one thing, uh, playing Alexandria, and I talked to Mike about this off the air, Tom. Uh, they played a tough United team, and they, they beat them 3-2, to two, and they beat them with complete class. I know it was not on television, but... Um, they they weren't cheap, and there was a lot of pressure at the end of the game, and that Haley Bailey, the eighth grader from Alexandria, was so poised, and it was really nice because I'm rooting for Alexandria because they always get knocked out that first game. And tonight, they're, the end of the first period, they're tied with Warroad at one, and uh, I wish them the best of luck because their team is very classy. Yeah, they're going to be fun to watch. It's always nice when an underdog comes through. Makes for a for a nice story. And Mike, I will see you at the rink tonight. Uh, the games are at 6 o'clock and 8 o'clock on 45 TV, and Mike and I will be there with Winnie Brote and uh, the whole cast of characters from 45 TV. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> Thank you, Thomas. See you, rookie. All right, take care, Mike. Yep. Garage Logic, Deputy Mayor Tom Hauser sitting in for Joe Souchere today. Rook, have you ever been a dingo man? Hey now, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I'm pretty sure not. I've, I've been staring at this ad uh, all afternoon here that's been hanging on the bulletin board, but it was across the studio from me. Oh, okay. So during the last break, I said, you know, I got to go take a closer look at that. I could tell it was Joe Namath. Is that maybe from the Mackie and? Uh... It must Judge be. Show? It must be Mackie and John. You talking Joe Namath or Joe Nathan? Joe Namath. Oh, Joe Namath. Huh. Reavers, oh, can you see this? No, I can't. Can you look around? Oh, the now Namath no, in the. Uh... Have you Have you seen this? Uh, I guess I have not. That's I'll, the first I'll post time. it on Twitter here in a minute for any listeners who might be wondering what we're talking about. But anyway, it's Joe Namath. The funniest thing about it is, well, there's a lot of funny things about right. it. But he's wearing these dingo boots. Reavers, you ever heard of dingo boots? Nope. You're so freaking young. You would He's never. He's way too young. I in high school, I had a pair of dingo boots. Now I'm kind of embarrassed about it. I'm not even sure why. I did you wear them to the dingo ball? I, I did not. But oh. I, I, I pulled it up here. He's, he's got the dingo the, man. He's no ordinary Joe. His boots are his thing. They're part of his image. He knows just how to wear boots with style. He knows when to wear them too. Whenever he feels like it. But don't try to con the dingo man into a boot made by a shoemaker. His boots are real. The label inside all of them reads Dingo. If you don't believe us, ask any girl Joe Namath knows. Ooh. That must mean they're getting his boots off. I guess so. And then they can see the Dingo on the inside. That'd That's be a lot of girls to ask that Joe that would, would be, know. Well, that would be, so the research wouldn't be that difficult. But I love the outfit he's wearing. He's got that vest on and what can only be described as horrific well, polyester pants of some kind. In in my research here, OJ did one, Montana did one, and there was also Ms. Dingo. Oh, the whoa, they did they branched out to uh, Ms. Yeah, Dingo. I don't know who it well, was. Well, here's the funniest thing about about the ad that's hanging here in the studio. I turned it around to see if I could find out what magazine this came out of. Right. Anybody want to guess what magazine this came out of? Uh, if it's Phil and Judd, <laughs> it was probably Cosmopolitan. 
Reverse, you got a guess? Uh, some type of Baseball America uh, magazine. Wrong, you both are. Mm. Playboy magazine. Oh, really? Which one of these guys has a Playboy magazine from probably 1969? That's got to be Judd. Sitting around. It's got to be Judd. To even pull this ad out of. And knowing Judd the way I do, he didn't even bring it in because of the the, the female section. He, he brought it in because there was probably some article written about a hockey player in the late seventies that he wanted to read to Phil. So you're, so you're telling me that he reads the 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 hockey articles in Playboy. Yes, hundred percent. How many hockey articles over the years do you think were in Playboy? Oh, the number has to be pretty small. I would uh, guess. Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> One from Wayne Gretzky. You know, in doing my research though, there were some really. This is a singer ad, and I'm not going to describe. Um, What's on the ad, but it's just very um Is she surprising. checking the dingo boots? I think she's checking the dingo boots Jeez. on that one. That I'm going to get rid of because I don't want to see that. Yes, uh, you don't, that right you don't want interest. that to get flagged by human resources. I just I... Googled uh, dingo, Joe Namath, yes. and then I saw all these other things, but that must be one of the... Well, that's not, that's a singer ad. That's Can you not tell, do they still make dingo boots? It says um, they were they were made by Acme, which is know. a very clever name, the world's largest boot maker. I'm going to Chet Shoes. I'm not buying dingo boots. Yeah, these are well, you would you're just For an ordinary sure. you're an ordinary Joe. That's true. Joe Namath is no ordinary Joe. That was the whole uh part of the campaign. Ah. I'm gonna post that on Twitter if anybody wants to see what we're talking about. It's the so. Hauser KSTP. You'll be able to find it there. Now the the rest of my Twitter followers will go, Why is he posting an ad about dingo yeah, boots? Yeah, careful on that one for sure. <laughs> On the the Twitter machine. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with the news here in a few minutes. Indeed we are. We've got Bruce Vail with the Your Money Now report. It comes to us courtesy of Owatonna's own federated insurance. And it's a roll of the dice, 50-50. Good news, bad news, Bruce. Well, first of all, here's a little-known fact. What's that? One of the Beatles wore dingoes. Oddly enough, it was George. Really? Well, he seems like a dingo boots guy. He's no ordinary (laughs) George. Oh, okay, with the puns here. We'll okay, with the puns, just... yeah. You We're back on Garage Logic and standing in the wings, a dingo boots man <laughs> from way back, Mr. John Height. Thanks, Tom. I did look up. They still do make dingo boots. They're expensive. About 100 bucks. Here. Oh. Mm-hmm. I did. I, I think they were that when I was in high school. But get your hands on some dingoes, huh? Yeah. Cover well, those feet up. I think you wear those when you eat some a bowl of dingo berries. I think that that's oh my God. that's what you usually do, right? And then where do you go at night? You go to the dingo ball. <laughs> yes. It's Please, part, Johnny. Thank yeah, you. Save us. Listen to dingo, of, and listen to dingo. Uh, Reavers is a madman. Help us. Save I us. Wish I hadn't brought it up. Partly sunny and 32 degrees. This update brought to you by the Duluth Trading Company. Visit Duluth Trading Company stores in Fridley, Bloomington, Woodbury, and downtown Duluth. Girls State Hockey Tournament today. Class A action. Breck shut out Proctor Hermantown six to nothing. Uh, Warroad and Alexandria playing right now. They uh, just started the second period. It's one to one. Tonight in Class AA in the semifinals, Centennial and Egan will play at 6, and Edina and Eden Prairie play at 8. Uh, twins in action, Major League Exhibition Baseball. Open How we today. doing, Johnny? They're down 3-1 to one in the 8th inning. They're uh, laying in the weeds. Twins not hitting the ball real well. It's huh? the rare Red Sox matchup for the Twins in the spring yeah, training. Yeah, we'll only see about 100 of those. From the Pioneer Press, there's a controversy at the Healthy Sports Center in Woodbury. Stems from all six silhouettes of athletes on the exterior appearing to be male. Inside, the walls are decorated with 18 male athletes and seven female. Robin Hennessy, who's lobbying the Woodbury City Council to change the figures, says 
We do not suggest there were ill motives or bad intent. It may be implicit bias. The goal, she said, is to equally depict girls and women at the $22 million sports center. To advance that cause, she and her husband Joe have circulated a petition, which has been signed by 2,000 people. She said, we were surprised. We hoped we'd get 100 signatures. Woodbury spokesman Jason Eggerstrom said the city council will decide what to do about the complaint. The petition is to be presented to the council at a meeting on February 28th. Wait a minute. Run that by me. There's a, The a- figures on the building are all represented by males. So a male hockey player, a male baseball player, a male oh, okay. basketball and player, a male whatever. And we, uh, that is a, a rather large insult to females. That's uh, Even yes, though we know that females do play those games as well. Okay. News notes from today. The St. Paul Federation of Teachers have voted to approve that tentative contract agreement reached with the district earlier this month. The vote approved by a clear majority of the union's voting members, according to a news release. The union's executive board will count ballots and certify the results during its March meeting. A United Airlines flight bound from Houston to Minneapolis made two unscheduled landings and then ran off the runway after the second one Ooh. early today. United says Flight 878 was first sent to Madison, Wisconsin, due to severe weather here in Minneapolis. The plane took off from Madison, but severe weather prompted another diversion, this time to Green Bay, where it landed. But when it landed there, it skidded off the runway. United says nobody was hurt. The airline said the statement, we are in contact with all customers and are providing alternate transportation options, including flights and buses. Passenger Tom DeSimio told CBS News there were roughly 160 passengers on board. When the plane landed, the pilot hit the brakes in full reverse, and it got really bumpy, he says. That's when he realized something had gone awry, he said. The plane stopped about 100 to 150 feet off the runway. DeSimio told CBS News it took 45 minutes to the plane in Green Bay. He said the captain did a good job of communicating with people as they got off and was very apologetic. Now, no one was seriously injured, but on a side note, they did quickly run out of toilet paper. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'll be here, I'll yeah. be here for another 25 Well, yeah, minutes. then you got to get to your other job. <laughs> uh, some uh, breaking national news here Chris is just showing me, uh, and we have no details. This is from an Associated Press breaking news flash. Uh, the White House right now is on lockdown after a vehicle hit a security barrier there. So we don't know if that was intentional. We don't know if it was a, a medical situation. We'll see if I can find some more info for you. Yeah, so right. it's serious. I thought it was another baseball move, and I was all set with the rim shot. <laughs> no. This one's a little more serious. <laughs> so okay. actual serious. Got it. Got it. <laughs> Former top advisor to Donald Trump's presidential campaign, indicted by the special counsel, was expected to plead guilty this afternoon. A move signaling... He wasn't the one in the vehicle. No, no. A move signaling he is cooperating with the investigation into Russia's interference in the election in 2016... The advisor, Rick Gates, a longtime political consultant who once served as President Trump's deputy campaign chairman. The deal comes as the special counsel, Robert Mueller, has been raising pressure on Gates and former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort with dozens of new charges of money laundering and bank fraud that were unsealed yesterday in Alexandria, Virginia. An Alabama man, uh, this is a story, if you've been following it, is a very strange story. Uh, I have been following since the beginning. I'll, I'll mm. try to get what details in I can. Alabama man has been arrested in the blunt force slaying of his wife, Cat West. A cat led a provocative double life as a skimpily clad online exhibitionist. After a weeks-long investigation... That's you wouldn't brought, be much of an exhibitionist if you were heavily clad. Right, heavily right, clad, right, that right. would be tough. See the snowmobile suit lady. <laughs> right, that doesn't work. Okay. 
After a weeks-long investigation that's brought national attention to the small Alabama town of Calera, authorities have charged 44-year-old Jeff West with murder, according to police chief Sean Lemley. According to the site, uh, Alabama.com, Lemley said there were few details he could release about the homicide and what specifically made Jeff West their main suspect in the killing of Kathleen Dawn West. He said, we do know what happened that night. We do have evidence to support that, but he would give no more information. Cat hmm. West touted herself on social media as a stay-at-home mom, but had a subscription-only website where she went by the name Kitty Cat West. Her Twitter and Instagram accounts, which appeared under the same name, featured revealing photos of West, who by many accounts had a deep fascination with Marilyn Monroe and directed viewers to a paid adult website of sexy selfies. The suspect... Jeff West, former military, now works as an unsworn police officer at Birmingham Southern College in the campus police department, where he's been on leave since his wife's slaying. College Ooh. officials say he is in the process of being fired. The Daily Mail said West has insisted his exhibitionist wife died as the result of what he called a boozy accident. A cat, as the blonde was known Ooh. to her friends, was this found. Is a really, there's a lot of twists here, John. There's a there lot are. of layers to this story, yeah. John. This, uh, well, it, when the f- sounds story... like you heavily researched this well, online. And actually, yeah. if you listen to the beginning, there's very few layers to the story. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but you gotta let me know when you're gonna do button. that. Yeah, I gotta hit the. Uh... I, I actually have been. I haven't used this story, although I have been following it closely online for about a month. God, you're weird. Right. Well, John, you're working on a uh, top secret story. story? Yes, I am. I'm doing my research and right I'm now. behind the curtain while we're I'm doing yeah. it. It's an Why interesting is the room story, dark and the right? door locked? Right. A cat was found dead lying face down. Oh, that part's not funny. Oh, I'm researching the story. Right. As I just said, she was found dead, Chris. Stop yeah, now. that okay. part's not funny. That's not what I was commenting on you, not her. Cat was found dead, lying face down across the street from her home on the morning of January 13th when a neighbor left for work. She was partially clothed with her cell phone placed beside her body and an empty bottle of absinthe balanced on top of her body. Yeah, it doesn't ring, does it? That does not ring. Something smells. Some key surveillance footage showed the couple laughing and shopping at a liquor store some eight hours before the discovery of the body. As they leave, the report said Jeff West is seen hugging his wife and patting her rear end and laughing. Chief Lemley said the couple seemed happy in the video, but he added, unfortunately, domestic issues turned bad very quickly, and anything can trigger them. Police would not say what may have precipitated a fight between the West, although, like I said, the chief says they know exactly what happened. Hmm. Tourists leaving Las Vegas can now dispose of their leftover legally purchased marijuana at specially designated bins outside the McCarran International Airport rather than hastily smoking it before the flight or just donating it to a friend on the way out of town. The green receptacles, of which there are 13 so far, have been bolted to the ground in high-traffic areas outside McCarran and its car rental area. The Department of Aviation moved to install the bins, or as they're calling them, amnesty boxes, after Clark County instituted a ban on marijuana possession and advertising at the airport back in September. The sale of recreational marijuana has been legal in Nevada since July 2017. Possession of up to one ounce of marijuana or up to an eighth of an ounce of concentrated marijuana was legalized the previous January. In 2017, tourists who neglected to dispose of their leftover marijuana would have to deal with the Las Vegas Metro Police, who would ultimately determine if the tourist was carrying a felony amount. However, Officer Aiden Ocampo Gomez of the LA or the Las Vegas, excuse me, police force said no citations had been delivered. Uh, contractors have been hired to collect and dispose of the receptacle's contents multiple times per week. They also say they guard them closely to make sure nobody tries to take anything. They're really working hard on trying to uh, find a way to get rid of the dope, huh? Yes, without uh, 
arresting people. John, I have an update on the White House story. Yes. ABC News just in. Person driving a passenger vehicle struck a security barrier near the White House. Quote, the vehicle did not breach the security barrier of the White House complex, according to the Secret Service. So there is your update. We don't know if this was intentional or a medical issue. We don't know, but we'll have more of course, on Five Eyewitness News later in the day, Perfect. as they say. Speaking of Five Eyewitness News, Dave Dahl will join us next I hope for the so. weather. We hope so. Did you ever think common sense would be this much fun? Joe Suchere. And we're back. Dave Dahl. On the line, I presume. He is. Yes. I've got a sponsor for Mr. David Wallace Dahl. Venture Bank brings you this very important Garage Logic forecast. Yeah, conditions are going to really change here in a hurry. The National Weather Service has upgraded our watch to a warning now um, that's going to take effect at 3 in the afternoon tomorrow, all the way through about 6 a.m. Sunday morning. And that just means heavy snow is pretty likely at this point. We're thinking 4 to 8 in most areas. There could be 9 to 10 in a few spots. Um, uh, from eastern Minnesota into western and northwestern Wisconsin. It's basically the bullseye is right over the Twin Cities, and it stretches up to about Hayward, Wisconsin. That's the line of the middle of this uh, heavier snow expected. So mostly clear skies tonight. Here's the problem tonight. We're going to have some fog developing, and locally dense fog in a few spots, I think, because of the moisture that's in the air, and as our temperature drops down to about 13 for the overnight lows, so there's going to be a lot of frost around tomorrow morning, a light and variable breeze overnight. Mostly foggy in the morning. And then late afternoon snow developing, I think uh, the best chance for us getting the heavier snow is from 7 p.m. until about 1 a.m. when the heaviest should be falling. So it's going to be very tricky to get around, I think, on Saturday evening, Saturday night. 32 for the high tomorrow. Sunday, partly cloudy skies, pretty nice day, 32 for the high. And it stays up around 34 on Monday. Next week, we're going to climb in the mid to upper 30s for the end of the week. There's another chance some rain mixed with snow on Wednesday, some light snow on Thursday, but temperatures stay warm or mild in the mid to upper 30s. Right now, uh, Tom, we're at 32, and I have the records for the day. I knew you would. 59 on this date. That was back in 1958. 25 below zero, way back in 1889. Wow. You You know, only in Minnesota, though, could we go from a... A pretty significant snowstorm yesterday to fog and frost on the day in between. Right. And then another big snowstorm the next day. It doesn't happen very often. I have remembered a couple of big ones like that, Wednesdays and Fridays. We had uh, back in 1983 or 82, 83 in January, we had uh, 17 inches on a Wednesday. Yes. And we got 20 inches on a Friday. It was the largest amount of snow we'd had on the ground for a long time, if not a record, 37 inches of snow on the ground at one time. Yeah, and it wasn't quite one snowstorm, but it almost felt like it. Yeah, it just <laughs> kind of dragged into, yeah. I, I do one. remember that. I was in college at St. Thomas at the time, and I also remember uh, one around tax day when we got like 12 or 14 inches of snow in the middle of April. April, yeah. That and was, uh, those what? are always kind of fun, because those storms come, and then that snow's all gone within a week. <laughs> it melts it's like Denver. Quick. Boom. Once, once it warms up. They get a bunch, up. and it's gone. But it is yeah. state tournament time, so yep. we've created that myth that it always snows at state tournaments, <laughs> which we've looked at before, and it really doesn't. But it, it really, February, late February and March can be kind of a snowy time anyway. That's really, right. right, and it does look like it's going to be very active here for the next couple of weeks, too. So we're going to get snow after snow, I think. All right, we'll be keeping an eye on that, yep. as I know Dave will closer mm-hmm. than all of us. Thanks, Dave. Yep. Meteorologist Dave Dahl down on the 5 Eyewitness News. 
newsroom. And you know, Rook, we were talking before. Mm-hmm. I think that game is now two to one. Did you? They just it is two to one. Now, Alexandria was just. Uh, it was a phantom tripping call. Uh, somebody from Warroad went down, but it didn't really look like it was a so. So there's, regardless, Warroad's going to be on the power play here, two to one Warroad. Okay, so they're up by two in the second period of that game. We were talking about Ringette before. Yes. And oh I, yeah. And I had forgotten. I, I I knew they called it Ringette. I thought it when I guess it was kind of a form of of hockey, mm-hmm. kind of. But I forgot exactly how it was played. But one of my favorite Twitter sites, uh, Vintage uh, Minnesota Hockey posted a picture of Ringette, and you remember this. I, yes, I really I, don't, because do. in 92, I was just moving back here. I'd lived in elsewhere for about nine years. I think I missed the whole Ringette phenomenon, right. but they had a, a hockey stick that didn't really have a blade on it. It was straight. And then they had rings. You would try to put the stick through the ring, and then... You could do stuff s- with it. Skate it down the ice. And it's still, uh, as I, I was looking my uh, doing my research during the break, it's still very popular in... Canada, oh, is it really very popular? Yeah, they still play ringette, and uh, does as far anybody as, play it here anymore? I have I never mean, seen it, and, even recreationally. And I'm, I really am thankful that uh, the gals are not forced to play ringette because girls hockey has made so many great strides. And to tell them you need to play ringette, you can't play hockey is baloney. They they also should take away the, um, I think the, the checking. Let the girls just play. They're not going to be out there like the boys killing each other. But No. Uh, they have more regard for each other than, <laughs> than yes, guys exactly. often do. And does it look like did War Road just War Road has again? capitalized on that uh, the tripping play uh, uh, penalty against um, Alexandria. And I didn't see who took so that slap to shot, one. but that was a heck of a slap, right slap from shot the, yep, exactly. from Boom. War Road. A one-timer from the blue line. So 3-1 to one now War Road over Alexandria. War Road, again, the number one seed. And Alexandria, the number four seed. Uh, if you want to see the picture of what Ringette looked like, I have retweeted one of my favorite uh, sites. If you're a hockey fan, Vintage MN Hockey. Uh, you do you follow them? Uh, I do. Rook? In fact, uh, you can find a picture of my father-in-law, Ed Keeger, in the in the the 1950 whatever it was, one of the first state high school hockey tournaments. Oh really? Uh, yeah, that. Uh, and did Vintage Hockey you tweeted at some point? Uh, you they, I don't know if they've tweeted up, but they had a picture of it because I went and did my research, and there he is. Oh, he was playing. Cool. He was playing ringette. No, he was not playing ringette. He was oh. playing. He was playing legitimate hockey. Got it. <laughs> but, Rook uh, comes from a long line of ringette yes, legends. You know, That's well. the rumor on the street. Was ringette around long enough to create any legends? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think there's any. Uh, if you are a ringette, ringette player, what are you? Re- I mean, are you referred to as a ringer or what? what what's your uh, what's your subtitle? You're ringing. Oh, you're, you're ringing. Your ears are always ringing. Got it. Yes, exactly. And, and the goalie in the picture that they have here, the goalie looks like she had traditional goalie equipment, but yes. You, but so you would take the ring and try to like zip it toward the goal. Yeah, just like a, and you could do for in some of the videos that I saw there, there seemed like they they would do more tricks with it. It wasn't just yeah. straight up because you couldn't do a slap shot. You had to have that ring on the ice uh, with the with the stick. Yeah, so you couldn't really, you know, do a a, a slap shot. And the ring looks like one of those things we used to throw jarts at. Yes, you know, one hundred percent exactly the thing that we somehow all survived throwing <laughs> yes. throwing these uh, missiles into the air, you know, fifty feet, and then having them land in a little ring like that. Exactly. But anyway, vintage MN hockey on Twitter is a great place to find that picture. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with the closing moments. Scramble the Scramble Friday. The games always end, but the discussion doesn't have to. Fifteen hundred. 
ESPN. The Sands is proud to present a wonderful new show, A Man and His Music. The music of Count Basie and his great band... The man is Joe Suchere. How did all these people get in my room? <laughs> I did find it. Uh, it was uh, St. Paul, Washington. It was my father-in-law. He played. It was 1945. Oh, that's cool. It was the 1945 uh, in February, and they got third place for Washington High. You'll have to capture that later and put it on Twitter. I'm going to do that. I Sophia would, didn't fare as well this year. I, too bad. I, I, well, but, you know, she had a, a great season, and her career is not over yet. Consolation play tomorrow. There we go. Let's go. All we right. got to take on Red Wing. Well, best of luck to you, and I'll be over at uh, the X tonight doing girls hockey on 45 TV at 6 and 8 o'clock, a couple of big games. I will be watching. Thanks, Rook. All right, thank you very much. 1500 ESPN is KSTP. St. Paul, Minneapolis. Sports Talk Live with Patrick from Fort Myers is coming up next.